Broadcasting live from the offices of policebackground.net. This is the Police Applicant Podcast with your host, Ken Royball. Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of the Police Applicant Podcast. This is episode 37. Before we get started, I have to say, Minerva. Hey. What's going on? Did you work out today? Not yet. Ah, you look like you're ready to work out. I have a boxing session after this. You just, you come up with new stuff all the time. Oh, yeah. Gotta try my best. I haven't done anything in three weeks, so So, I just, I have to do something. So boxing will be fun for you. That's pretty good. Um, It's tiresome. This episode is going to be really neat because it's what I, I have a feeling in this episode, because our guest, uh, Richard, is um, is kind of along the lines, his story is right along the lines of Minerva's. So I'll probably be just sitting here adjusting volume and doing this, but I'll, <laughs> I'm probably insignificant on this episode. But before we get started, uh, there's a couple things, man, there's a couple things I want to mention. In our, do you have any announcements, Minerva, before, we get, before I get mine? Not today, not this time. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, this is episode uh, 37. And uh, something really cool, uh, last, um, so last week, we released our last episode with Nathan, who, who just got hired. That episode is, in, in our world, is kind of going crazy. It's got 561 downloads already. Wow. And, um, and so that's a lot for us in just one week. And we have, this is, this is these, I like keep you know, them coming. Like, keep yeah. Them coming. <laughs> and I, and we have, uh, the stats are in the podcast, we've got almost 51,000 downloads. Uh, and wow. our audience is now estimated to be 704 listeners. And for our little podcast, which is really cool. Cause I talked to Steve Gould on his things. Police see, by the way, if you're not listening to things, police see, you must do that, uh, for the, for the real stories. But Steve, you know, Steve Gould, and things police see, he gets, uh, I think his episodes get 5,000 downloads each. And so ours is, we've had 50,000 <laughs> downloads total in just about close to a year and a half. And uh, and so our audience is 704. His is in the thousands and thousands and thousands. So it's it doesn't, okay. We'll catch up. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't compare, but our, our episode, our, our uh, podcast is more, um, is more of a, of a niche type mm-hmm. of audience. It doesn't, it's not as broad. So there, Steve, how you like that? <laughs> so, <laughs> so in our world, that's pretty good. But I want to also mention, we talk about the the, uh, the ratings that we get. And we've all of a sudden, uh, we've been getting some pretty good ratings. And I want to thank you guys for for uh, for going to Apple Podcasts and giving us five stars. And then I want to read some of our some of our ratings. One of our ratings that just came in, it says, great pod. I'm thinking that's great podcast. Uh, this podcast provides extremely valuable information for applicants. I have used the things I've learned from this podcast every step of the way in my hiring process, and it works. Another one says, uh, great podcast, picked it up from uh, Things Police See, and have really, really enjoyed listening. Hosts, <laughs> talking about Minerva here. The hosts are funny, intelligent, and really know how to move the podcast forward. Instant subscription for me. This is worth listening to. I'm <laughs> learning a ton. Background investigation seems like an awesome gig. I think it is. Uh, and then the the, uh, the uh, last one I have to share is, uh, hello, my name is Jordan Spencer, and I applied for a job with my local police department back in November. I found this podcast in January, right before all the fun steps 
of the hiring process started, and it was awesome how I found answers for every step of the process from that podcast. Thank you guys for what you do. It was a tremendous help. I got the job, and I'm starting the academy in two weeks. So wow. thankful. That's pretty quick. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thankful for you guys for uh, for sharing. Uh, like we say, if you go, it, it it really does our hearts good when you when you submit. Uh, ratings, but then um, when you write something as well, that's really just super cool for us. So thank you guys for everybody that's that's rated us and uh, and left an announcement. I mean, uh, a uh, uh, comments on there. So uh, let's move into the uh, the episode today. We're going to be talking with Richard, and Richard's story is so cool. I mean, it is interesting. And and he uh, got a hold of me. Uh, Richard's a listener, and he got a hold of me and says, "I got a story to tell you." And when he started telling me, I'm going, "Holy cow!" And I and uh, I think I I immediately said, "I got to get you on the podcast because this is an incredible story of perseverance and refusing to give up." I mean, I, re, I it just reminds me of Minerva story so much. But if you like Minerva's uh, episode, this one. Uh, should be uh, a really good one for you. So, Richard, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Hopefully, my story's worthy for the podcast. Oh, I, I already decided it is, and I told Minerva, <laughs> and she decided it is too. So, yes. um, so Richard, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, when you wanted to be a cop, and and um, how this all came about. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I'm currently a deputy sheriff uh, here for a large uh, sheriff's department here in Southern California. I work in one of the largest jails in the state. Um, I was hired back in March, so I'm a brand new baby deputy. I just got off a of training uh, a month ago. Um, I was a uh, I started in law enforcement actually as an explorer for the Glendale Police Department. Oh, um, what? Wait, what? Wait, I didn't wait, know that wait, part. Hold up. Right? <laughs> you didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, I was an explorer for Glendale for four years. Um, wow. It was, yeah, that's that's where I got my itch for law enforcement in Glendale. Oh my god! Wait, can you tell us the years? Are you comfortable saying that or not? Yeah, it, yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to say the years. I th- it was a uh, twenty. 14 to 2020 or no, 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 20. I, I graduated high school in 2016 okay. and maybe it was like, uh, I started when I was a sophomore in high school. So I was like 2014. Maybe it was like, Oh wow. Was I an explorer for six years? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> when did oh, you I start? I was already gone. I, I left yeah. in 2012. So uh, okay. So just right Yes. Um, I'm sorry. What was your question? Ken. Oh, well, I was going to say, what, how old were you when you started? Oh, I was 16 years old. And and you, you age out at 21. So. 21. So I know I, I, I did age out. I do remember that. Wow. Um, yeah. And then I got hired as a cadet for a neighboring agency mm-hmm. where I spent what? four years. Yeah. <laughs> Minerva. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why didn't you stay with Glendale? <laughs> oh. So I applied. I was encouraged by all the officers there to apply to be a cadet. Yes. So I did apply to be a cadet, but oh man, that interview for cadet, it went terrible. I really didn't have, <laughs> I really didn't have any life experience to People that were interviewing me were my explore advisors who had 
30 years on the job, um, a sergeant and another officer that I was really close with. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really didn't have any life experience. I really didn't have any good answers. I remember doing the interview. My hands are all sweaty and clammy, (laughs) just nervous. And I was stuttering. And yeah, it was terrible. It's so funny. It's funny. It's a good experience. (laughs) It's funny you should mention that because I have a buddy who's he's been on the job. uh, So uh, I'm doing the math here. He's been on the job 14 years. And uh, almost 15 years now, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell his story because he he took three orals before he passed. And it reminds me about you because my buddy, Nate, he went into his oral interview. Literally, I kid you not. He failed his first two oral interviews because he had zero life experience. And I'm, and I'm telling you, he went in and he said, so they asked him about his, his, what experiences you have. He goes, one time at band camp, the guy literally told band camp <laughs> stories and he yeah. failed his too. So he went back, of course, and he, I think he volunteered at the PD and, and got some other stuff. But man, whatever you do, guys, if you go into your oral interview and you have no life experience, do not say I was at band camp because uh, <laughs> that will fail. That will get you failed. So, uh, so Glenn, here we are, Glendale PD again. Look Glendale. at that. Good old GPD. And you and uh, I, I don't know if you remember now. Minerva was a you were an explorer, weren't you? No, I was a cadet there though. A cadet at I started as a cadet and then I became a police officer. And, and at Glendale is a cadet like a CSO? No, cadet, well, it's when you're in college. It's like when you're a college student, you're a cadet. So it's like the next step after the explorer program. You guys are like twinsies, same same. Right. I didn't know that. Okay, you kept it a secret, Ken. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Actually, this is all news to me. So, well, it's a pleasant surprise. Yeah. yeah. So you were you were uh, an explorer. So you've had that itch to be a cop for a while since you were a teenager. Oh yeah, it ha- I got that itch right after my first uh, ride along with a Glendale police officer. As soon as we left the station, we went code three on the one thirty four freeway for an officer that was in a fight in a pursuit uh, in a foot chase. Uh, chasing a domestic violence suspect near Glendale High School. And I remember that night like vividly. It was a number of years ago, but I can I remember coming home and showing my brother like my hands were shaking because of the <laughs> adrenaline rush <laughs> from that night. And I got hooked ever since. Uh, <laughs> we were talking we were talking something about that. I can't remember what we were talking about. It might have been on the YouTube thing where where you know, and I'm not liking you to to a puppy, but you know how you get when the when the the dog you you uh, you stand at the door and you go, you want to go outside? You want to go outside? And the dog is like, oh, 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 like that. And he, you got home, and that's the way you were. You were just all so pumped up at the idea of going code three and all that. It's very exciting. Well, people oh. can't see him, but the look on his face as he's saying it, he's like. <laughs> Like he has, like he said, this vivid recollection yeah, of that. He's remembering, you know, it. and he's like experiencing it again. Uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was an awesome time. I love my time at Glendale. Um, that night, I saw, I witnessed the use of force. Uh, we went to a shooting. It was probably the craziest night that that's ever happened in Glendale. Probably, it, it's uh, <laughs> it's amazing. And it's really cool when you go on a ride along because you just go on a ride along and you go from call to call or whatever, and you don't have to take any reports. But uh, mm-hmm. it's exciting to see a lot of that stuff that that uh, police officers do um, just during one night, and the mm-hmm. adrenaline dump. 
Uh, like if you're going code three and there's you hear people screaming in the radio or there's some kind of emergency, that's just, there's nothing you can do to just calm yourself down. I mean, you, you're, you're professional and you, you, um, you just act really chill. You know, like when, whenever we were on the job, when something was like very, very exciting, tense, you know, it was an emergency situation. We'd be like, yeah, yeah. So show me in route, but inside we're raging. (laughs) Everything's going crazy inside, but that's just, that's just the nature of, of, of the job. So you get um, a call that is so slow after like this really hot call (laughs) and you're still trying your adrenaline, still trying to come down. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I think we talked about that too with, uh, I think we talked about that with Nick Wilson of the resiliency project about, about that, where you, uh, I mean, Richard, you experienced it a little bit, but, but the, you know, just as a side note, when police officers go through this, on a, on a shift and you go to one, two, three, four, maybe, I don't know how many emergency things going on. You get that emergency, that, that adrenaline. And then for you, you came home and you were still, you know, amped up for police oh, yeah. officers to do that night after night after night, that takes a little bit of a toll and you have to, um, and this is good, Richard, that, that you're kind of newish to the job, but you can know in 2022, that you need to really learn how to handle because the stress just doesn't go away. It, it mm-hmm. takes a toll on your body. And I think nowadays it's more prevalent to talk about working out and healthy living and all that. So that's cool too. Um, so what happened after, um, after you got out of the Explorers? Oh, so after my four or six years as an Explorer, um, I got hired as a cadet for a neighboring agency. My, I'm actually a twin, and me and him, we both got hired as cadets together for that agency. Oh. We were actually explorers together. And oh. a funny story, um, me and him, we would go on ride-alongs at Glendale so many times. They, they actually changed the ride-along policy because of my brother and I. <laughs> <laughs> we have to it slow this down. <laughs> yeah, it used to be, hey, you guys are more than welcome to come You know, once a week, and we took advantage of that we went once a week every week for six months probably and that's when our explore advisor was like hey let's slow down let's do twice a month guys oh man maybe i wonder i wonder if uh if you know his explore advisor i'm I'm pretty sure i do i'm sure you do i'm sure you do she has 30 years on she's about to retire i think i know who she is is it michelle gonzalez (laughs) yeah all (laughs) right all right she's awesome she's great she is awesome yeah. Okay. So you, um, so your brother was into it too. I think I remember you talking about that as well. Yes. He's currently a police officer for that agency where we were both hired as cadets now. Outstanding. Um, yeah. He, we went to the same academy together. Um, he's actually, he's, he's like a rising star at that department right now. He's got, he's going to uh, receive the 23152 award for the most DUI mm-hmm. arrest. Wow. At his department, he I, he just got off probation. Um, he he's everyone loves him at that department. He's got the most arrests, not including DUIs, just most arrests. He look he works almost every day because he loves the job so much. That is that's, cool to hear. That's mm-hmm. good. He's a, so I'm sorry. Go, okay, go ahead. Good. No, so both of you guys were explorers. Both of you guys were cadets. And yeah. you guys both went to the police academy together. 
uh, we went to the same academy, but we we weren't in the same class. He okay. was two classes before me. Okay. Yeah, so we had the same attack uh, officer. So when you know when I went to the academy, you know the <laughs> number one goal for a brand new trainee is you know lay low, be in the middle, don't stand out. I remember day one, minute one, they were just yelling my name. <laughs> where are? Where is? Where are you? I was in it. I remember in my head thinking, "Damn, oh this is gonna suck." And are you guys identical twins? Uh, no, we're fraternal twins. Okay, so at least there's that. But <laughs> they, we look identical, though. But they knew oh, okay. who you were. Uh, they were waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole time, whenever you heard your name, you go, "Oh." Yep. I was like, "Oh," because right, because in the academy, you don't want to stand out. No. I didn't have that option. I stood out. <laughs> you know, um, I have a, a fun fact. Uh, you know, in the academy, you get. You get assigned, uh, they call them chits, or you get uh, 15-7s, or you get these little write-ups because, you know, there's a fray in your shoelace or something. But just just stupid stuff where they have you write paper a lot. I don't know if you experienced that. In my academy, I went the whole academy without getting assigned a How? chit. I don't Sometimes know. Sometimes the whole class gets done. I, had a, I, I, I had a smiley face. I was very... I was, You're the sunshine. Oh, this is sunshine. <laughs> so, but um, we're going to get into your academy uh, in a moment, because that's important. But this whole parallel between you and your brother is interesting as well. Uh, so he gets in two two classes ahead of you, and was it? Did you say it was the same academy? Same same academy at a at the sheriff's department I actually work for right now. Yes. Okay. And uh, so I want to get I want to talk to you about your application and 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 background process. How many agencies did you? apply with before you get hired so are you including like cadets and like, like every agency overall that i've applied to no just just police departments police sworn departments? sworn just for sworn um probably i want to say not not a lot maybe four or five that i can think of off the top of my head and how did those were those uh, all phs's or were they just like inquiry apps only um I think out of the four or five, three were just applications. No, two were applications and three were um, oral interview. And th- th- the three were the more like in-depth applications. I think I went through backgrounds with two of them. Okay. Because you killed the, all the interviews. So that's why that happened. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One time advantage. <laughs> Yeah, after what happened with me in Glendale, every time I do a job interview, I have flashbacks of my Glendale cadet interview. <laughs> I uh, and I just want to let the listeners know when you because I do the I do consultations and I get the the PHSs from the from the candidates and a lot of times they'll put I was DQ'd here, I was DQ'd there, and there and there for the purposes of, of backgrounds and for background investigators, a a failed uh, oral interview is not a DQ for us. Uh, When we talk about DQs, we're talking about your background. So you can go through all your applications right now and, and you can decide which ones were actual DQs. And that's what the background investigators are going to be concerned about, but not the, not the failed interviews. So you actually had two, you had two background investigations. Yes. With, so with the sheriff's department that I work for currently and one for the old, my old department that I used to work for as a cadet and as a civilian employee. Okay. Okay. 
And so how did those backgrounds go? Because you obviously got hired by one. Did the other one offer you a job? Well, so since I went through, I went through uh, two police academies. So I went through as a trainee for that smaller agency. So I was hired. And that's when I got injured seven weeks into the academy, into the sheriff's academy. And that's when I had to drop out. And then I went through physical therapy for seven months and I got the green light from my physical therapist. Hey, like, because I, I told him from the beginning, like my goal is to go back to the academy. Like, can we, can that happen? So he, he just, he basically said, we'll work on it. So six, seven months later after physical therapy, he gave me the green light and I, I uh, self-sponsored myself through to the next academy, to a local community college police academy. Okay. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a in a minute. Um, so Minerva, uh, just before we before we do that though, um, so apparently he was in the academy, and then he got mm-hmm. hurt. Yes. So you w- didn't t- double tap then? No, I didn't double tap. It was an injury. Mm-hmm. And and for the people that don't know, maybe from out of state or something, explain uh, Minerva what a double tap is. Okay, so a double tap is uh, for the state of California, since it's a post mandated state, you have the when you take a test and you don't pass it, you fail it. What even if it's a knowledge domain or LD, I don't know what they're called nowadays because they changes. LDs, learning domains. Learning domains. Okay, so if it's a, an academic test or a physical test or any type, anything that you have to get tested, if you fail it, you get remediated. And I think they do like four hours of remediation. Then you have the opportunity to retake the test again. But if you fail it, that's called double tapping and you're automatically out of the academy. That's what happened to me. So I double tapped. Uh-huh. So that's what that means. And um, Richard, so tell us a little bit about your uh, your background investigations and your background investigators. Spill the beans. Tell us if they were cool or not. Well, I... Maybe I have a rare uh, story, but I thought my background investigation was very smooth. My investigators were very laid back. Um, the one that didn't did mine for the smaller agency, he was a former captain that worked for my agency, and he was he was a uh, great. He did my, me and my brother, so he thought it was awesome that he gets paid to do two interviews, and <laughs> two for one. <laughs> yeah, basically, he, he had the same references, same everything. Um, same workplace at the old uh, at the small police department, and after we finished, after we got hired, he actually emailed my mom and said, "You raised two great sons. You should be very proud of yourself." <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. So your mom, and you told your mom how awesome you guys were. Yeah, pretty much. So th- that background process went very smooth. Um, I did have some issues with like the medical on the first part because. I guess when I went to the medical and, you know, they do your eye test and your they check your EKG to see if your heart's okay, if you can handle the job. I didn't actually pass the post-required uh, vision requirements. I used to wear glasses. And after before, when I took off my glasses, I'm basically blind as a bat. I couldn't see anything in front of me. And so I failed the vision requirements. Hmm. So, my yeah, my captain called me into his office and said, Hey, your brother passed the test, the division test, but you you didn't. So we can't send you to the academy. Your options are either you wear contact lenses or you get LASIK eye surgery. 
So what, what, what did I do? I called the LASIK eye doctor and the next week I was under the surgery table getting my eyes lasered, getting that surgery. And wow. I, yeah. And I also had another issue. I guess the doctor who did my EKG said my heart was messed up and wouldn't sign me off. So I had to go and pay to get a second EKG done by another doctor. And that cost a lot of money. Wow. Yeah. And I still wanted to be a cop. I wanted to be a cop so bad that I went and did got that done. Well, Richard really went above and beyond even before the academy. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yeah. My, my, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Good. Uh, you know, my path to becoming a cop was filled with, you know, roadblocks. And I had to like dive, dive, dip, dodge, right? <laughs> like all around these roadblocks. Like was, tuck and roll. <laughs> yeah. My brother, his path to becoming a cop was just a straight shot. <laughs> he applied, went to the academy, graduated. Now he's a cop. But me, it took, I was basically trying to be a cop from 2020 when COVID first started till just this past uh, January when I got hired as a deputy. You know, we talk about perseverance and most of the time, Minerva, when we, when we, we have stories like that, we talk about, oh, they failed, you know, they, they were DQ'd and then they kept yeah. going on until finally they got a chance to go. This story has a bit more of a twist to it because you know, Richard lived his whole life to, to be a good person, to be a perfect fit for a police department, did all the right things. And then he get the, has these medical setbacks. So what does he do? He goes in the corner and cries, no, <laughs> no. He says, I'm going to go. You, you say my eyes aren't good enough? Next week, he goes and gets a surgery. He says, my heart, what can I mean, that's got to be something where, the, where that just sinks your spirit. And that mm. someone tells you your your heart can't take the job, and, uh, and I you, don't think that's even harder because he has a twin brother. They're going through the process together, yes. and his twin brother's continuing on, and he's kind of having all these roadblocks, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, but at the same time, it was like my biggest, you know, motivation to see him succeed, and I'm just hitting every roadblock. And like I said earlier, I have to, you know. <laughs> you know, weave my way through all these roadblocks, climb over all these obstacles. But yeah, it's, it was totally worked it at the end. You know, I work for a great agency now and I, you know, I love my job. I look forward to going to work every day. So with that in mind, as far as the medical stuff, uh, Minerva and I don't deal in medical issues because we, you know, background investigators, I get questions about, I'd like to talk to you about, you know, the medical stuff like that. And I'm like, I, I, I don't I, I don't have any knowledge about that because background investigators don't get involved in medical things. But um, so, Richard, just while we're talking about it, when when I think that a lot of candidates, when they're told in their medical, hey, there's this problem and we're not going to hire you. I, I bet you a lot of them walk away. But mm -hmm. you, what made you not walk away and, and kind of challenge the, the medical findings? Well, because the way that it was explained to me is, hey, you can get contact lenses or you can get laser eye surgery. First, I the idea of inserting contact lenses every day was, wasn't very a good idea. It didn't seem very fun to me. So I was like, okay, I'll just get laser eye surgery. And it's it was all these medical issues that aren't, like life altering, you know, I could go get it fixed and I want to go, I want to do this job. So if, if something as simple as getting 
I say simple, but it really wasn't getting a surgery, you know, can fix that, then I'll do it. Right. Cause if you really want to do this job, there really shouldn't be any obstacles unless, you know, it's a serious medical condition to prevent you from doing this job. And when, it, when, after I got my laser eye surgery and then they told me, Hey, like something else, uh, you didn't pass the EKG. Well, that's weird. I, I get my, I get EKGs done at routinely at my doctor's office and I was never told my heart. I had issues with my heart. So I, and then I just figured that maybe the EKG machine was weird or the doctor who did it, did it wrong. I don't know. So I just went and got that done. And the doctor said, Hey, your heart's fine. I don't know why that first doctor said your heart was, was, you know, there's something wrong with your heart. And then, and then you, you go and get another doctor's opinion, their doctor, their own doctor goes, Hey, not good to go. You go and get another opinion from a doctor and they go, Oh, okay. You know, it's just as simple (laughs) as that. Um, so, uh, that's interesting how the how the medical works, but I I would encourage anybody to take Richard's Richard's kind of spirit and the way his motiv- he was motivated to be a cop, and just don't take no for an answer. Uh, Minerva did the same Get thing. Get a second opinion. Yeah, Minerva mm-hmm. Minerva had the same where she was just you know she double tapped in the academy that could have been it she could have folded, but you um, Minerva just just kind of a. a, a kind of a, a a short story on how you did that you you not only decided no I was I was made to be a cop and then you, you know a lot of people you were almost you were what six weeks from from graduating yes that's that a lot 22nd week of the academy 22 <laughs> weeks in the academy and she had the op- opportunity to to quit or go back and complete a full another academy not the lapd academy but another academy at rio hondo where did you get that that kind of spirit inside you well like richard it just wasn't failure like quitting wasn't an option Mm -hmm. right and i could tell by richard's story so far what we've heard that he's just nothing was going to get in the way of him achieving his goal of becoming a cop you know and just like I mean, I don't know how old Richard was when he decided he wanted to be a cop, but I was about five years old. So this was my life dream. So when you have such a big goal and dream, you will do whatever you can to achieve that. So, you know, same as Richard, right? I mean, I mean, he had issues even before he got hired. I didn't have issues in the hiring process. I had issues during the academy, you know, so I... I applaud you. I really, really do. And I hope our listeners really take that to heart because if you really want to do that job, then do it. I mean, we had, you know, a past guest who 14 years, you know, he's been trying to get hired. He hasn't given up. So we have mm-hmm. quite a lot of guests and this podcast that have shown, you know, the willingness and the heart to not give up. Mm-hmm. And that's what it takes. And then you know what? That's the stuff that you're going to take out when you become a cop and you're out on the street and you're in a fight. You're going to need that. You know, right. so that's in you. That's in you. If it's not in you, then maybe this is not the job for you. This is not <laughs> the job for you. But well, it's, let's just keep it honest, right? <laughs> that's a, uh, you've already impressed me incredibly. I didn't know about the medical stuff. I didn't know that that was, but that can be quite, stressful and daunting and costly 
you know, very costly. <laughs> and there's no guarantee that if you spend this money, that you're going to you're going to get hired. And so you took a leap of faith, but you believed in yourself, and I think that's the most important thing. Let's. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then I want to find out. Uh, so basically, your background investigation was uneventful because you're awesome. And so uh, we want to. I want to jump into the academy because we're not talking about one academy. We're talking about two academies that you mm-hmm. went through. Um, and Minerva can relate to that. But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Policebackground.net is the premier background investigation prep site with veteran investigator Ken Rybal, who spent 16 years conducting over 1,400 LAPD backgrounds. For more information, go to policebackground.net. Yeah, so um, I, I uh, it was funny because when we took the break, everybody's kind of, you know, we take the, the, the little in-between break and the music is playing. I can tell everybody's like, ah, oh, damn, they're drinking, there's their water, just kind of <laughs> chilling, you know. It feels like a regular production to me when we do that. Uh, so let, we want to talk about your academy because normally when we talk to, to candidates who've gone through the process and went to the academy, we talk about, tell me about your academy. But so, that, Yeah, you had two. So what happened in the, how was your first one? Your first was a regional academy? Yeah. Yes, it was a regional, just a normal sheriff's academy. I think a vast majority of police officers go probably through a sheriff's or a, you know, like like the LAPD academy. Um, I was a since I worked for a smaller agency, they send us through the sheriff's academy. Um, it the academy I went through probably has a reputation of being the toughest academy in the state. One of the toughest academies in the state. It was a running academy and. I am not a runner. You know, I struggled. I was probably in the back of the class for every run. Um, so when I went through the academy, it was a running academy. But now I hear the new uh, deputies coming out of the academy. They changed it to like a more CrossFit academy. You know, mm-hmm. you lift weights, you work out in a gym. You don't really run as much, hmm. which when I went, when before I went to the academy, that's how I prepared. I didn't really run because, first of all, I hated running. I couldn't get into it. The farthest I probably could run is two miles. <laughs> um, not very far. But we we averaged like seven to eleven miles a day on our runs. That's a lot. Wow, <laughs> it's it's a lot. And so my my knees, my legs weren't prepared for that amount of running. Um, so. I actually, a bone in my right foot got misaligned. So every time I would take a step on my right foot, it like the best way to describe it is like stepping on broken glass. Oh. And, but I, did, I didn't know what that felt like. I didn't know I was injured. So I just kept going. And then one, one day I came home and I couldn't, my right leg, my right foot went numb. I couldn't feel like my right foot at all. So that's when I went to the physical therapist, went to the doctor and they took an x-ray of my foot. And I saw literally a bone in my foot, like misaligned. It wasn't straight. It was like misaligned. I don't like, I don't know how to describe that. It was just not in its right position. Wow. Yeah. I have questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ask your question. So just, just a quick question. So when, when did you go to the first Academy? What year was that? It was right when COVID first started or in the beginning of 2020. Okay. So the beginning of 2020. And 
your brother was already in, in the academy? He already uh, graduated. He graduated probably a month or two before I started my day one. And he didn't tell you about the running or did he tell you you just didn't want to listen? Uh, a little bit. That's cold, Minerva. No, no, no. I appreciate the question because I did not prepare as well as I should have. You know, my mindset was, "Hey, if you can do it, I can do it." Right? Um, my, to be honest, my brother he didn't really prepare for the academy by running as much as he should either. So I thought, mm-hmm. "Hey, if you didn't really practice running. Why should I practice running?" Right? So, yeah, not the best mindset, you know, Okay. Um, you know, I was one of those guys where you tell them to run. I'd be like, yeah, OK, sure. And I wouldn't run. Right. Right. Yeah. So I asked this because, well, I have two points to make. Mm-hmm. I asked this because, you know, we are constantly telling our listeners that you wouldn't want to start a career in law enforcement to prepare, to physically prepare for the Academy. Right. And I'm also making this a point because when I went through my first Academy, which was the LAPD Academy, I also did not physically prepare and man, I struggled. I was the last runner, you know, I sucked. That's Uh just the truth, you know, but I learned from that. So when I went the second time around, I was very physically prepared. I mean, I still, I've never been a fast runner. I'm just not fast at anything I do like some people, right? Mm-hmm. right. But I was in the middle of the pack all the time. So that was enough for me. Like you said earlier, you kind of want to be in the middle of the pack. Yeah. You want to call attention to yourself. So did that, the fact that you weren't very good at running, did that help you prepare for the second time around? Oh, a hundred percent. Now I knew what my deficiency was and it was the physical aspect of running. The academic part of the academy wasn't really an issue for me. Um, I was in law enforcement for such a long time, right? And academics in the academy are pretty basic, right? Your penal codes, the elements of a crime, whatever it may be. But so when I left the first academy, I had officers from the department I worked for Every So every day after they finished their shift, if they worked night shift, they would come to my house and we would go running. We'd run three, four miles because I told them, hey, my goal is to go back to the academy and graduate. Right. Mm. And I made it. This is the agency where you were a cadet at. Yes. So the agency where I was a cadet and a police officer trainee at. That's the same agency. Got it. Mm. So officers would come after working night shift. Right. A 12 hour shift. They would come to my house. And we'd go running at a hiking trail or a park, run three miles, and they would go home and sleep and go back to work. And we would just repeat this process, right? And I'd slowly uh, build my running stamina and I could run, instead of two miles, I could probably run four or five miles. And that's when I put myself back into the academy. But I went through a different academy than the first time. I went through uh san bernardino valley college extended academy which is a year-long academy so mm-hmm. the normal normal academy in california is 24 weeks this academy was 50 weeks because it was a part-time academy yes it's a part-time academy so i worked while i went through the academy i was a cso for a small city in la county and this this is the this is the second academy Yes, the okay. second ac- academy that I graduated from. Okay, so so I want to back up a second. Um, the um, 
We talk about this a lot, and I just want to emphasize, reemphasize. Richard brings up a very good point um, as far as preparing yourself for the academy. And Minerva, you and I went through the LAPD Academy, and and it doesn't matter what year you go through the LAPD Academy; it's still in mm-hmm. Elysian Park, and Elysian Park is nothing but hills. So our Pride Run, and for anybody who doesn't know what a Pride Run is, it's your very last run uh, before graduation, and it's probably I think it's the longest run, and so. Our pride run was six miles, but that was six miles around in hills. And so that was a big deal to us. But um, I, I went to ARTC, which is in Westchester, West LA, but it's still hilly there. Not as bad as Elysian Park. Yeah. But there's still hills there. And what I want to now, mention. Rio Hondo is in hills. Though. Yeah. And what I want to mention is that it's important, I think, that two things. One is to know the environment that you're going to be training in. You know, go take go look at the academy and check out the areas around it because it doesn't matter what the interior of the academy or what the field, the track field looks like. Um, It's around the area that that's where you're going to go running, and you want to check it out if there's hills, if there's just flat ground, whatever. And the other thing, Richard, that we find out in, in the academy episodes is that a lot of candidates and where where they get really, they do all this stuff and it takes them a long time to get hired and all that. And they get to the academy and they can't pass the PFQ because they mm-hmm. didn't properly prepare for PT. And so what would you say to any, because you went through this, you know what it was like. What would you say to these people that go, oh man, I can, you know, the PFQ was a mile and a quarter. I could do a mile and a quarter. And then they go into the academy and all of a sudden they get their butts kicked. What would you say to them? You know, I would tell every, I would tell them that I don't want what happened to me to happen to them. I don't want them to go through a second academy just, just because of not preparing, you know, it's simple. Just put on your headphones, go run, run up some Hills, take it seriously. You know, if I know like the, the physical, you know, the, to get the job right in the hiring process, it's really simple, you know, a mile and a half run, or I know some departments don't really require a mile and a half run. You, you're just required to run around a track, I think twice, maybe. Um, mm. Don't expect that to be the academy. Don't expect, don't expect to go to the academy and think, oh, you know, I'm going to, they're going to help me prepare in the <laughs> academy because I learned, take it from me, I learned the hard way. They will not help you prepare. If you're not ready, <laughs> you're going to be running in the back. You're going to have seven TAC officers like I did yelling at you the whole time, you know, and reminding you how terrible you are and calling you names and making you do push-ups while you're trying to catch up to your class, right? And, and rightly so. Of course, you know, it's a bad experience. Oh, so that's terrible. another thing Richard and I can relate. Here. Yeah, that's terrible. Is it, you're, oh, oh, go ahead. No, because I was going to say that, you know, just like Richard, um, you know, I had worked for Glendale before I left to LAPD as a cadet. And then um, then when I failed out, Glendale got, gave me my job back. So I was a CSO, a community service officer, because I was already graduated, had already graduated from college. But I had people there help me to prepare for the academy. I mean, I would go on like six mile runs. I was doing push ups, I was doing pull ups. And it was people that, you know, worked at 
Glendale, who had done the regular shift. And after work, we would go do we would go do the physical part of it and work mm-hmm. out. And same thing with Richard, right? You work for a smaller agency and people knew you. They they wanted to help you out and they would come and take you out for runs and work out. But there's a reason for that because they must have known that you wanted this so badly and they said that you are working, you didn't quit. So here's another reason, right? Here's another thing, Ken, where when people see that you quit, they're not going to help you. Mm-hmm. But people probably knew about Richard's story and all the obstacles he had already gone gone through to get to the academy. Now he's at the academy. He gets hurt. He's not the best runner. Nope. So what do they do? They get, they help him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's because they saw that he wasn't a quitter. That speaks a lot about Richard and how much people believed in him to come and help. You know, you can do this. And not everybody has that. Uh, But I want to mention that uh, something that I think is important in this conversation is that when you take the the PFQ to get on the job, is it the PF? No, the PAT, the P, I don't know what they call it. The PAT to get on the job. That PAT is not, is not PT in the academy. Nope. <laughs> so if you, I, you know, when you hear people go, yeah, the mile and a quarter, man, I did that in 12 minutes. So cool. You know, it's like, or, or you do the mile and a quarter in the, just at the time or just below the minimum time that you're fooling yourself. If you think that, oh, you, cause you passed the PAT, you're kidding yourself. If you think you're ready for the Academy, if you squeaked through that PAT, you better do, you better get on it, man, because, uh, <laughs> and I like, I like the academy that you went through with the, um, with the CrossFit and stuff like that. That sounds pretty cool, mm-hmm. you know? Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so a, a word, a word to the wise about the, uh, about the PAT, you know, you guys need to be ready to get in the academy because Richard is sit here with us right now and tell us that he's, he was not prepared physically for the running. So how did you do the second time around? Yeah. The second time around after, you know, after what I learned from the first Academy. And like I said earlier, I knew what my deficiencies were. Um, I did a lot better. I knew that running was something I would struggle in. And when it was time for those PT, when it was time to do PT, you know, I made sure, you know, I didn't, I wasn't in the back of the class, you know, I kept running. So I would end up in the middle, right in the middle, mm-hmm. at least minimum, the middle. And, you know, in the beginning I did struggle a little bit, but not because physically, but more mentally, because after what I went through the first time around, I, you know, your mind is really good at playing with you. Right. Yep. Um, when it was time for that first PT day and I knew we were going to go out for a run, like, mentally I was in the back of the class right I was physically I might have been in the middle and I might you know I didn't really stand out but every single time we would go on these runs and we would reach a certain mile I was like okay now it's mile three this is where I'm gonna struggle now it's mile four oh oh man I don't think I can go for another mile right mm-hmm. so I didn't. Yeah. So if, I don't know if that makes sense. It's, yes. To I me didn't it does. Really, yeah. I didn't really struggle <laughs> physically, but mentally it, I struggled. Right. 
Right. And Ken, I talked about this in my episode um, that the academy and this job is not just the physical, it's the mental fortitude, Mm -hmm. right? That you bring to it because you know, like Richard said, your your mind is going to tell you, you can't do this. You can't do this, you know, but physically your body still can push forward. It's you, it's your mind playing these tricks. And really, um, I know you don't like me to curse, but it's a mind fuck. <laughs> 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 so, you know, um, there's this uh, Navy SEAL named David Goggins. And I don't know if you guys have heard of him. But um, he has this thing. He's he does like ultra marathons and he's like he's crazy. He's a he's really intense. But he always says that when your mind is telling you that you can't you've only you're only at your 40 percent. You really have so much more to push through. And that's the type of mindset you have to keep in the academy. Like, you know, like you say, I'm at three miles. Can I really get to four? And then you get to four. You're like, okay, come on, just one more mile. You know, you have to play those. You have to psych yourself up. You have to be your own little cheerleader in your head saying, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this to push through. So that is also another thing that you have to prepare. But someone like Richard, who has had did, did this continuously from the hiring process to when he was in the academy, you have you have to have that in you, you know. You don't you don't just get that overnight. Like you really want to have you really want to do this in order to have that mental fortitude to get through, you know, that extra mile or those push ups or those sit ups or whatever you know the obstacle course or the, the fence or the chain you know the wall. Because you know as a female, I had a hard time with that too because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm short. But you know it was like I'm gonna run through this wall, you know, and I'm gonna get over it. Yeah, and I think it's really important uh, for our listeners to understand that now because uh, uh, I think Richard's the only person that I remember that has brought this up to this extent where he's in the middle of a run and he goes mile one, mile two, mile three, and he's working on his mind at the time. The reason why it's important is, and we've spoken about this numerous times, the reason that it's important is because if you can make your if you can push yourself in the academy it's training for the street i've seen video after video of officers that have encounters with suspects on traffic stops or whatever the case may be they get shot they get knocked down then they re-engage the suspect because they did not give up and you've Mm -hmm. got to get in that mentality um where you are if you are in PT and you think you can't do it, just remind yourself that you've got to have that fight in you when it comes to the street. Because if you engage in, in, a, in a gunfight or whatever and you get taken down, you will not die on that street. You're mm-hmm. going to get up, you're going to re-engage, and you're going to be the victor in that encounter. And if you don't start out with that mind, training your mind while you're in the academy then you're setting yourself up for a shocker when it comes to your first fight um, mm-hmm. in the street. So, Richard, I got to hand it to you that you, I think you gave us a very, uh, you know, it's funny, Minerva Donovan tells me, hey, uh, I learned something from Minerva today. She told me something, I remembered it. And I think that our our listeners should take what Richard says. And I think that you are going, there's going to be people who are listening to your words, Richard, and they're going to go, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And they're going to remember what you said, that you did not give up. So we've gotten to the point where Richard Richard's eyes were not working. His heart supposedly was not working. And now he's got an injury in the academy. <laughs> Most people yeah. would say, something's telling me I'm not supposed to do police work. Because um, because all these obstacles, they're medical obstacles. So you you get so you were injured. You get out of the academy, mm-hmm. and then and what what happened between that time and the time that you you applied again, or how did that go? Well, I was in physical therapy for six, you know, seven months. I was basically bedridden. I I couldn't even walk up to the second floor of my house um, because I couldn't really walk up the stairs. So. After seven months, my physical therapist says, "Hey, you're 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 good. Your your leg is good to go to the academy. You know, just come to physical therapy once, maybe twice a week while you're in the academy, so we can check up on your leg. Which, you know, that's what I continued to do while I went through the year long academy. I would go back to my physical therapist, and he would check on my leg to make sure everything was good. Um, but during that during that time." You know, it was during COVID. Um, I just prepared myself physically, right? Because, you know, I went through physical ther- therapy, but I would still go running with the with the officers that would come to my house. And we would, like I said earlier, we'd run up all the trails. And that's basically what I did for half a year until my ne- second academy started, maybe. Okay. I want to backtrack a little bit. When you went out on your injury, you had to compl- did you have to completely start the process all over again after that with the agencies? So you had to retest again. Yes, I. So after I left the academy, basically, you, you're resigning your job, right? And mm-hmm. before I went to the academy, my captain uh, called me into his office and said, "Hey, we're going to send you to the academy, but we just want you to know that if you for some reason can't graduate the academy." you'll be unemployed. We just want you to know that because <laughs> someone someone before me who worked at my department did it and he quit on day 1 of the academy and he was let go. He's un, he you know, he's unemployed and I knew the risk and I still took that leap of faith, right? Cuz I wanted to be a cop so bad. I didn't want to write parking tickets for the rest of my life, right? Mm. I wanted to do something more, right? And so I, I told my captains like, oh, yeah, I understand. The, I understand the uh, risk. I accept it. You know, I still want to be a cop. So, yeah. So when I resigned as a trainee, I, I knew that I was going to be unemployed. So I had to restart the process and uh, basically start from scratch. So you you were hired by this smaller agency. Uh, the first time I went to the academy, yes. Okay. And so when you when you did your, your physical therapy six, seven months, um, and you went back, why didn't did you apply at that agency again? I did. I I funny story about that. I'm glad you mentioned it. I did, and I I did the I did the interview and it was two sergeants and a lieutenant. They kind they didn't I expected to get grilled a little bit, right? Like why why should we hire you back? You know, but I told at the time when I applied for them again, I was already in the second academy, right? Because I didn't want to go back to them and say, hey, I did absolutely nothing since the first time. Hire me back, please, right? Because how, how would that go? Not too great. So 
out of the year-long academy, I think I was in month 10, just about to graduate, finished all my required testing. So just uh, had some, you know, some um, LDs we had to cover in the last two months. So basically all done. Well, they grilled me about, you know, why should we hire you back? And I told them, hey, I went back to the academy. I paid my own way through. I did, you know, I'm doing better in physical training, physical in running. And, you know, they were happy to see me. You know, I don't want to say they grilled me the whole time. They're very proud that I put myself back through. And, you know, we shook hands. And a couple weeks later, they asked me for a second interview. And this second interview was with the captain that (laughs) told me that, hey, if you don't make it, you're going to be unemployed. And then, you know, basically I went through the whole thing again, explaining myself, you know, telling them I went through, I paid my own way through the academy. I'm about to graduate in a month or whatever it was. And, you know, my captain actually went through the year-long academy. So we were just talking about the academy again. And after that interview, I didn't really hear, I didn't hear anything back from them. You know, they kind of grilled me about not applying to other places. So I kind of got the message from that, from them. And mm-hmm. that's when I applied to the sheriff's department where I work for now. And they hired me like two months later from when I applied after that interview with that small department. The, the agency, the smaller agency told you not to apply at other agencies? No, no, no. They, I, at that point, when I applied for that small agency the second time, uh-huh. that was the only department I applied to. Because that's, that's where I wanted to work. All my friends are there. The officers that helped me run were there. My brother works there, right? But they kind of, they asked me in the interview, did you apply to any other departments? And I said, no, this is the only place where I want to work right now. You know, I want to work for you. And they grilled me about that, hmm. right? And so... I took it as like, hey, they don't want to hire me. So th- that's why I applied to the sheriff's department. And that's, I got hired like two, three months later. That, that's a tough position to be in because you've got all this time invested in this, in this year-long academy. You're 10 months in, and mm-hmm. you've got all this money. And then the, you're, you're going, I can't quit right now. I'm two months from graduating from an, from an, a, a, an academy. And I that would be really because if somebody goes, hey, you want to get hired now? I'm, I'm almost done here. So uh, no, but they were basically till asking him why he hadn't applied with other agencies. Like he was putting all his eggs in one basket, right? And, and the, when they asked him why he hadn't applied with any other agencies, he saw it as though he wasn't a top candidate for that smaller agency. Why? You know, I have I have no clue. You know, and it's funny they still haven't told me if I if I was DQ'd if I'm DQ'd yet. So as far as I know, I'm still in the process with that agency. <laughs> but you know, they hired uh, three other people that was in the same hiring process as I was. So uh, you know, I'm, if it was me and I was in that position, I would be going like all the stuff that Richard has been through. I you know what we need to hire him. This guy does not give up. He's a he's good to go, and I would mm-hmm. I, I would think that would be in your favor. But I don't want to um, 
I would think so too, especially since he sh- he showed that, you know, he went back to the academy on his own and he has improved. He's done everything he can to improve. So yeah. there's got to be more to it, you know, internally. Yes. Yeah, as far as I know, you know, and, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. I'm very happy with where I work. So, yeah. You know. Well, I'm happy for you that you, so I, I just, uh, I just want to know what was it like on on graduation day when you finally made it through the entire academy you knew you passed you were hired what was that feeling like oh that feeling was amazing you know unfortunately um but when on my graduation day it's when uh covid started resurging back earlier this year so we didn't really get to have a real graduation it was just our class, we, um, we started with 17 trainees. We graduated 15. Out of the 15, 13 are now cops in uh, Southern California. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's really, and the other two, they're in the process of being cops right now. So I'm sure they'll get hired any day now. But yeah, yeah it was amazing. You know, I told myself the entire year, like, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to have these officers who helped me, you know, help me run, you know, motivated me, come to my graduation so it kind of sucked mm-hmm. that I didn't get to have that, but those officers were there at my uh, swearing-in ceremony when I became a deputy. So cool. it worked out. No, that's not, did your did your brother pin your badge on you? No, uh, we didn't do a badge pinning ceremony. They just Aww. basically handed me the badge in a little <laughs> plastic bag. <laughs> there you go. And uh, he was there, and we took pictures with the uh, sheriff and everything. So it was cool. That's nice. I want to have a question. Um, how was the extended academy different than the regular academy? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the extended academy, there was a lot more, you know, well, I think it's just because we're such a small class, um, a lot more one-on-one attention. In the beginning, we had a lot more, you know, there was a lot more yelling, right? And just like any other academy. But as we went on, since there's so few of us, like we had more one-on-one attention, more time to ask questions. They would work with us. Um, the only difference I would say is probably is um, that there was a lot more different instructors from different departments. Because I remember when I went to the Sheriff's Academy, all the instructors were from the Sheriff's Department. So yeah, everything was just one. This is how we do it. And this is the only way you're going to do it. But mm-hmm. here we would get instruct in, instructors from all these different departments all over Southern California. We have Department of Justice, had some police departments out in L.A., Orange County. And, you know, even, you know, alcohol beverage control. Those were the guys that taught us how to do defensive tactics. Hmm. And I, I took that. what I learned Cause you know, I work in a jail and unfortunately fights happen in the jail. So I took what I learned to the jail and all the other deputies are like, what the hell are you doing? What is that? So <laughs> I had to get fixed for, you know, the first, first couple of weeks. Right. But you know, that's really the only difference. You know, our TAC officers were all former TAC officers at the sheriff's department. So they brought that same intensity to our Academy um, yeah, but you know, can I can relate to that because when I went through the LAPD Academy, you know, it's all LAPD. You know, the TAC officers, the drill instructors are all LAPD officers. Mm. But when I went to Rio Hondo, you do get people from 
all these different agencies, you know, and they kind of teach their style. You, you get people teaching you different styles. There isn't like a standardized way that they teach because they're from different agencies. Mm-hmm. So I understand what Richard went through. Yeah, it's a it's a tough uh, it's a tough thing to listen to Richard because he, in the sense that, um, like the the part time academies, you have to you you can't wait. The part time academy, you're working full time, and then mm. you're going what two three times a week? Yeah, Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Sometimes Wednesdays, but yeah, oh, pretty man. much. That just that just seems so daunting. Uh, but you did it. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's different for sure. You know, like I always tell people that ask me this question, like, you know, when you're in the full time academy, you're getting paid and you, you're going through like artificial stress. Like, sure, you're getting yelled at, but, you know, it is what it is. But in the part time academy, you're dealing with real stress. A lot of the mm-hmm. trainees, you know, their parents, they're older. They're, I think the average age was 40. Versus when I went through the Sheriff's Academy, the average age was like 23. You know, a lot of those people still mm-hmm. live with their parents. Um, we had lawyers, uh, civil engineers at my uh, extended academy. Because and a lot of them are res- are going to be reserve officers, not necessarily full-time officers, mm-hmm. right? Uh, no, all of us are full-time officers. Oh, really? Wow. As, as, yeah, as, as far as my class is concerned, everyone and my senior class that graduated before me, most of them are uh, senior officers too. I mean, full-time officers too. Were they, uh, were, were any of them hired prior to like, were they not self-sponsored any of them? No, out of, I think all of us were self-sponsored. So you were taking a leap of faith, putting yourself through and you didn't have a job. Nope. I was not getting paid to go through the Academy. So that was a, big change, you know, going from getting paid and, you know, the department I work for is a, I worked for previously is probably one of the highest paying agencies in the area. So going from that to not getting paid at all, big change for sure. Yeah. And, and I would have to drive, you know, from LA County to San Bernardino, you know, during rush hour. So the commute, and everything so it was <laughs> and you had crazy. to buy all your own gear and all that yeah, stuff I had to buy my own gear uniform um i think i probably spent like eight thousand dollars in total to put myself through this academy wow um, but that's um, not that's not including the laser eye surgery right yeah not including the laser eye surgery not including <laughs> the EKG, EKG. you know yeah. the gun bullets uniforms and Physical therapy, physical therapy. Yeah. And when I went through the hiring process to be a deputy, for some reason, I failed the psych. So I had to pay. Oh, like, oh my gosh. Like I said, dodge, dip and dive. He, said, he didn't but, mention that before. <laughs> oh, I mentioned uh, I failed the psych. Uh, I, I wanted to mention it during the, this, this part. But yeah, <laughs> so I, I oh. failed the psych. I had to pay to get re-interviewed with a new psych. And I don't know why I felt the psych. I've taken psychs before, passed it, but whatever. I did and not know that, Minerva. But you know what? He's here. He's here. It's like, it, it crazy. Journey, but he's here. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's insane! So you had to. I went. I went through every obstacle you can think of. I've in the hiring process. Man, that's crazy. I've never I, known somebody to fail 
to, to have such problems in one candidate yeah. that many. Yeah. many obstacles. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, what? I, I think this is going to be one of the top episodes because you, you, you have everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, All kinds I've of literally obstacles. had every problem you can think of in the hiring process. So I know how tough it is. And, you know, I'm always open to helping people because I've, I went through every single obstacle. Wow. So he failed. Uh, he had a medical fail twice, got injured in the academy, uh, had to go through another academy, failed psych, and here we are today. That's awesome. I do want to mention one thing, Minerva, is that, um, uh, is that this is a very good uh, episode because I think that, that Richard um, is a good example of when you get hired and if you don't like your job, do not walk out the door and say, see ya, suckers. Oh, and yeah, don't burn your bridges. <laughs> do not. Do not. Because you may have to go back and go, hey, so I don't have a job, and I'd like to get mine back. Um, yeah. Yeah, so- you didn't try to get your CSO position back? or it- No, because, you know, like I said, they already told me, like, hey, when you go to the academy, you're on your own, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you fail you're you're not gonna have a job here because as soon as i went they replaced me with a cadet with another cadet which you know which is acceptable i totally understood the risks yeah and that and that is kind of you know a negative about smaller agencies that they only have so many positions available and if they Mm -hmm. fail them that you know that's it they're not they're just they can't just squeeze people in yeah yeah it's a a budgetary issue so richard you're you're now um you graduated and how did you get how did you get hired um so a month before i graduated from my extended academy we had recruiters come just like any other you know academy and the sheriff's department really stood out to me well first of all because all my tac officers were sheriff's deputies and they really spoke highly about the department how they look out for you how they value family and a lot of those values were aligned with mine. So I put in an application, went through the hiring process. They really sped up the hiring process for me. Um, I think it's because I I already went through the academy. And right now, it's like an applicant's market right now to be a police officer, well, fortunately and unfortunately, Mm -hmm. right? And... And they knew I didn't have to go through another academy. So they really sped up and prioritized my background, my hiring process. And my entire process took two months, which is almost unheard of, wow. I think. That's crazy. Well, you know, you're young, right? Yeah. You're probably like in your early 20s. 24. 24, yeah. So, I mean, you went from one police academy or police department to another agency to another agency. So your background, you'd gone through a lot of backgrounds. <laughs> yep. So as a background investigator, it's a little more work. You're young, but you know, it's more work as in your background packages had to be reviewed with all these different agencies. But the fact that you've gone through them and you've been in the academy and all that shows that there were no issues in the, in your background too. So I could see why your background process was pretty fast in that mm. sense. Yeah. Um, the, so you got hired and um, one thing I want to, I want to, we're going to, we're going to close here in just a little bit, but uh, the, 
So you were hired by a police agency, and then you got hired by a sheriff's department. Yes. To, to me, totally two totally different animals, Minerva, as far as as what how that goes. What most people that I talk to, they either want to go police or they want to go to sheriffs. Because the police, you go out there and you go on patrol, and the sheriffs, you go in the jails, right? So, how did that? How did you square that with with yourself as far as that the adrenaline pump of the ride-alongs, and now you're in the jail? How did you change gears as far as changing how you looked at that? You, you know, I've the way I thought about it is. It's still law enforcement. It's a new experience. Work. It's obviously different working patrol and in a jail. But the jail I work at is basically a huge city. We have, I think, we have like 4,000 inmates at any given time. Oh, my. And, and it's usually just me and one other deputy in charge of, I think, 300 inmates. So, <laughs> yeah. So, sometimes it's only just me. So, and... The way I the way I think about it is like it's a it's like its own little city and every resident is a criminal, right? And we have literally, crime, liter, literally <laughs> we have crime that happens in the jail. We have you know we have drugs in the jails. We have weapons. We have all sorts of crimes that you think that would never happen. It happens in a jail. So it's just me, you know, working in a jail. I just think of it as like a learning experience to get ready to go to patrol. Right. It's a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. If I have a hundred deputies to call to, if I'm in a fight, right. And it happens pretty often. So how long do you estimate you're going to work in the jails mm-hmm. before you can go to patrol? Uh, it depends on what patrol stations you want to work at. Like, for example, I put in for all the valley stations. So I'm probably going to be in the jail for three to four years. Mm-hmm. But if you work up in the high desert, you can be out as soon as next month. Mm. So, yeah. But you're going to gain so much experience on how to read people mm-hmm. in the jails that that's going to be an advantage for you compared to somebody that goes straight to patrol. Because, yeah. you know, you, like you said, you're just around criminals all day. Mm-hmm. So you're going to learn how to read them. You're going to learn their lingo. You're going to learn so much more that when you get out in patrol, you're going to be more aware of certain things that people do. You're going to catch on a lot quicker. Yeah. That's what I've noticed already. Just working in there for two months already. Like I'm picking up that there's the slang, the way they Mm -hmm. speak to each other, the politics in a Mm -hmm. jail between the races. Right. I'm sure you guys heard about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of learning. And, you know, I know a lot of people just think of the jail as something negative, just like, Oh, I have to work the jail for two, three years before I go to patrol. But this is the, I'm taking advantage of it. I'm signing up for training on days I don't work, um, tr- signing up for all sorts of different classes and just, you know, learning how to write reports. I've taken a lot of reports the last couple of weeks and it's just a learning experience. Take advantage of the time in the jails. And nope. you have the option to to lateral once you have your you do your first year, you pass probation, you have the option to lateral. So you're not stuck, like you said, all agencies are looking for people uh-huh. at this point. You had would have proven that you got through the Academy. You got through your one year probation. You have experience dealing with criminals. You'd be a good candidate to lateral somewhere else. If you choose to do that at a, at a later time. Yeah. And, and uh, we have a lot of uh, deputies 
Duda, we probably lose, I want to say, five or six deputies a month to laterals. Um, but right now, I just want to be the best deputy that I can be because there's so much to learn inside the jails. It's not just like you just sit somewhere and you just make sure they're in the jails, right? Mm-hmm. So much to learn. And, you know, the sheriff's department gave me an opportunity when my when that other agency mm-hmm. didn't. So I'm just grateful. And I just, you know, I'm just trying to be the best deputy I can right now. Yeah. And that, that's a loyalty factor too. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a, that's a really good uh, mindset to have that you're going to, you're going to uh, pay them back for taking a chance on you. And that's a pretty cool thing. Um, now, when you get out of the, when you get out of the jail and you go to patrol, do you have to do FTO all over again? Yes. So that's one, probably the biggest difference working at a PD and at a sheriff's department, you could work the jails for five, six years and never go to patrol. But once you go to patrol, even with that five or six years on, you're still considered, you know, like a boot Boot. and right. And, but if you fail out or if you get rolled up in patrol, you just come back to the jails and you have to work the jails for a year and a half before you can go back out to patrol again. You know, that, that uh, vernacular, uh, getting rolled up, that's a sheriff's thing. Yeah. Because uh, uh, there's a sheriff, a retired sheriff sergeant that worked at Backgrounds whenever I, I know who you, I know you know who I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. uh, um, he would go, yeah, when, uh, uh, when they don't, they don't, uh, they want to uh, get you out of the field where they roll you up to the metro station. You know, and I, that's the first time I ever learned that rolled. You get rolled up. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not sure I where it comes from. <laughs> um, you know, in closing, I was going to ask you what kept you going. But I think in all the things that you had going on, the <laughs> only thing. Yeah. I mean, the only thing left was for him to die. You know, <laughs> and you're not getting the message. You're going to die. <laughs> so, um I, I think that uh, I believe that you have you just have the perseverance to to carry on no matter what I would Minerva I'm gonna call it I'm gonna call it I would go with Richard into a gunfight yeah <laughs> he won't give up into a gunfight he won't give up and and so in closing Richard I'd, I'd like to find out what your thoughts are for and uh, the message to our listeners. Who and I, we've said this a lot. Somebody, you know, a lot of times candidates they get a DQ and they die. They just, mm. you know, one DQ. They just die, and they just don't know if they can carry on and all this kind of stuff. And here we have somebody who has just really gone through the gauntlet of hiring <laughs> and all the things that could happen. And so I want to I want to fold this question. I want to fold this into two questions. One is what message do you have to candidates who feel like they can't, they, they've, they've lost their will to continue in the process. And the other thing is the second part of the, of the question is with regard to it being 2022 and the, the, the difficulties it is to be a cop, what message do you have for candidates who still want to apply, even though they may lose friends, their family members get mad at them. Anybody they come in contact with, you can't say, oh, I'm going to be a cop because they start harassing you or whatever. What message do you have as far as motivating people 
to continue in the process and to become a cop? You know, I would just tell those people, you know, don't give up. It's not over until it's over. Until you get a letter saying, hey, you're disqualified, it's not over. If there's a way to challenge the decision, take it. You'd be, I think you, most people would be very surprised what, what would happen if you uh, challenge a decision in the hiring process. Um, I was told that a majority of the time they would overturn it if you challenge it. I don't know if that's true. It worked out for me because I challenged every decision that <laughs> happened to me. Every time I received a, you failed medical, you failed psych. The first thing I did is how can I challenge this? Right. Um, what I would tell people about becoming a law enforcement officer in 2022 is now more than ever, we need law enforcement officers. We need deputies. We need police officers. Don't, worry about what other people think you know i understand you 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 probably will lose friends i lost friends that i grew up with because i became a police officer you know they don't talk to me because of what i do that's fine um you know i can i can't tell you even though i work for a large sheriff's department and you would think you know we have classes with a hundred people graduating the next couple months we're still short you know mm -hmm. and we're gonna be short for the next I don't, I don't know, probably five years until, you know, the culture improves on law enforcement and don't be, if you, if you really want to become a law enforcement officer, just do it. It's a great career. It's a career that you can take care of your family, take care of whatever you need to take care of. Career you could be proud of. You can, yes, exactly. It's a career you can be proud of, and you know your family can be proud of. Because I come from a, a typical Asian household. When my brother and I became explorers at Glendale, my parents freaked out. They did. They wouldn't even. They wouldn't even sign the paperwork for my brother and I to become explorers. Oh right. So when they when we became officers, you know, it's been a. They they were used to it. It took a couple years for them to get used to, Hey, we're serious about this. We want to become cops. So, you know, the, your family will come along eventually. Mm -hmm. Not just one, but two kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I can relate to that. My son wanted to be a, a police officer and then it was before all this happened, but um, it's a difficult thing for a parent, especially in, in 2022, when you read the headlines all the time and, and all that, I can see where the struggle would be, but I'm sure your parents are very proud of both of you and your brother. Uh, yeah. um, Minerva, I'm just blown away by this interview. There's just so, and I've, I've said this before, like if I get, uh, you know, if I stub my toe or something, I feel like I'm not going to, I'm not going to fold up and die <laughs> because there's other people that have gone through so much, so many things to get on the job and everything. And Richard's one of those people. Minerva, do you have anything in closing? No, I just think that our listeners should really, you know, follow Richard's steps here. Those that, you know, the journey to get into law enforcement hasn't been easy or, you know, has setbacks in the academy or anything like that. I mean, look at Richard. I mean, he succeeded he's there he did it and he went through a lot i mean i yeah. thought i had it bad i had to go through two academies yeah but man he he really had a lot of obstacles to yeah. to you know get over and uh you know i i applaud you richard i really really do thank I really you do. and if you uh 
if anybody's listening to this and they just need to talk to someone to 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 you know you're you're feeling kind of down about the situation get a hold of me i'll i'll forward the information to uh to richard uh, if you just need someone to that you need to talk to and say hey uh, i've been going through this be you know in the process and stuff i think richard has indicated that he's he wants to help you guys and things so uh let me know i'll get the information to him he'll get in touch with you and with that i am honored to have met you richard thank you for getting a hold of us for this Thank podcast you. and for everybody else, if you feel like you have a story or, you know, somebody that has a story or you think you have a potential guest, let us know. Uh, we actually been getting quite a few guests Minerva, of people contacting us. And so if you think that you want to be on our show, let us know. Don't be shy. Get a hold of me, Ken at policebackground.net. And with that Minerva, we will be back in a couple weeks. Yes. All right. Thank you. It's going to be one of our more popular episodes. I I hope so. Yeah, I believe so. (laughs) Thank you, Richard, so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Police Applicant Podcast. We are the premier police background prep site in the U.S. and Canada. For more information on scheduling your police background consultation, go to policebackground.net. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes.